Demons Discuss TV Show Review, Season 1, Episode 7. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We're your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I am Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello, ladies. Good morning. Greetings. Good morning. Yay. What are we talking about today, Angela? We are talking about a discovery, which is episode seven, where we get to travel and meet. We hop the pond. We get to meet not only the bishop ants, Emily and Sarah, but also the bishop house. Yay. I'm so excited for this. We get to hang out with our Sarah. Yes. <laughs> and her Emily. Yay. <laughs> well, let's get into the sponsorship really, really quick because we have a lot to talk about. We do. Tons to talk about. This podcast is brought to you by our Patreon patrons. Our patrons support us and allow us the luxury of not subjecting you to a flow of podcast ads throughout the show. And you know, guys, without Patreon, We'd have to get advertisers because this endeavor of ours started to get a little pricey. And a little complicated. A little complicated, a little pricey. And we, being media consumers ourselves, don't like to be subjected to random ads that have nothing to do with the content. So enter our patrons. They're listeners just like you, tossing us some coins so we don't have to subject you guys to our ad reads. And the way we would read them, they'd probably uh, pull their sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Tell the people, Gene. Tell them what we do for them if they become a patron. You become a patron, you get a double dose of demons. Oh, wow. If you're joining us just for the TV episodes, weekly episodes is a special thing we're doing just for the TV show. Generally speaking, we are fortnightly. And on the off weeks, we run what we call our after show, which is anything under the sun. It's totally a mixed bag, but <laughs> it's a mixed bag of fun, mostly. If, if it were a, a category in Jeopardy, it'd be potpourri. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Based on the one we recorded yesterday, hell yes it is. Yes, and it's it's probably a little more explicit than our general show too. Some days, yes. yesterday. <laughs> so, no matter what level you get, you get the after show. Higher levels of patronship gets you swag. We have awesome swag. Lately, it's been tote bags. It may change to something else. You never know. Stickers, fun stuff, and it's exclusive to patrons. Yay! Yeah, we're coming up on the first year of Patreon, so I think we might switch it up really soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yay. So, if you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash demons discuss. Well, here comes the disclaimer, you guys. I'm working on my, uh, you know those commercials, the pharmaceutical voice at the very end? Yes. Yes. Or death. Still yes. Side effects include <laughs> or death. Or death. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, we don't get that serious here. Yeah. Yeah, that was the anesthesia consent that was given to me when I had major surgery when I was oh, like yes. 20. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, you can get a sore throat or death. Yeah. Or death. <laughs> hey, thanks. All right, here we go. Most of this episode will be an attempt to review the TV show only. We will try to make only observations on what is presented to us on screen without spoiling the books. Those of you who don't want the books to be spoiled, we will warn you 
prior to going into the spoiler zone. So you can stop the episode and join up with us next week. The rest of you who have read the book or that don't really mind can follow us after the warning and the break. And we will speak freely about the TV show, the book, how it all relates, how it all relates. There you go. Disclaimer done. And our random patron sponsor today is Becca Vork. Thank you, Becca. Warm in Minnesota. <laughs> and uh, also, if you two don't mind, I'd like to give a shout out to Teresa Morrow. She was one of our original goddess sponsors that pledged on day one. Uh, and she was integral in helping us get to where we are now. Shouts, Teresa. Shouts, Teresa. Thank you. Hey, Teresa. Speaking of keeping warm in Alaska. <laughs> Alaska, <laughs> yes. And even though you aren't a current patron, you are a permanent friend of the pod. You can't get rid of us that easy. Absolutely. So, yay. Thank you, Teresa. When you mentioned Teresa, I always think of running into her, not literally, but almost, on the streets of New Orleans. <laughs> I know, with, with the grandbabies. Oh, yes, that was hilarious. Yes. What a little sweet memory. I know. All right. So, uh, fasten your seatbelts. Another bumpy road ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm primed for this. <laughs> We left off in episode six with Diana being told she was probably spellbound. And she knew that only crazed, out-of-control witches are spellbound. She's left wondering what she actually is. We turn on episode seven. And we are at Septour saying goodbye to Isabeau and Mart. Diana and Matthew are headed back to Madison. Thank you for everything. Uh, I'm sorry to have brought trouble to your home. This house has seen worse. Be careful in Madison. Baldwin will stall the congregation as long as he can, although it will be no more than a couple of days. But this isn't his battle. It's yours. I know, Mama. Take care. Whatever you need of me, I'm ready. I thank you, Mama. Shall we? So Diana thanks Isabeau, and Isabeau warns Matthew about being careful and... Baldwin can only do so much. Uh, what did you guys think about this uh, little goodbye? It was, it was nice. It was quiet, peaceful. It was no no big whoop. I, like we said in our last episode, I really miss the whole don't be a good girl and wait your turn. Yeah. 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 It, I felt like there should have been more advice. Well, I don't know. Maybe they did some advice inside. That's what I tell myself in my head. Yeah. <laughs> inside before they headed out towards the copter. Yeah. yeah. True. <laughs> but now it seems that Isabeau is resolute. She's firmly on the side of mm-hmm. Matthew and Diana and plans will proceed as however they're going to proceed. But I loved when they were getting onto the helicopter, of course, Mart gave Isabeau that look. <laughs> and in the books, the look oh. is everything. The, her looks are yes. everything. So yes. viewers may not realize like what her looks mean. Yeah, they, mean, they s- mean a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All will become clearer in the coming seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Mart kind of looked at her like she was proud of her. I love Mart. I just, she's just wonderful. Sorsha is doing a fabulous job. Quietly powerful. Very. I mean, her performance. Very. So the next scene, we're driving in America. Home. Madison in the fall is the best Madison there is. And Diana's driving. Diana's driving, actually. (laughs) Yeah, which was shocking. And the typical rental Ford Taurus. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And this is shot in Wales, right? They did really well. You know what, though? I loved the beginning when they showed Madison. They showed the, that wasn't welcome to Madison, but it did, it was accurate. And they showed like a little Americana with the POW flag and the American flag. And was that the Knights of Columbus in Oneida that they drove past? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. It could be. (laughs) The VW, the the, the VW or the VW. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh my God. It was like, talk about the shout out to the book kind of thing. Yeah. But it looked very Americana, whatever, whatever yeah, it yeah. was. They did very well. It really did look like upstate New York in the fall, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Uh, down to driving on the other side of the road. I mean, they could have taken footage in the U.S., but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever they did in the final edit was convincing to me. I was convinced. Anyway. And you've been there, so. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. Anyway, they get to the house and it's acting up. <laughs> Love this. Yeah. And Diane explains about the house and how it's a little temperamental. Just let it get used to you. Right. Oh, and did, did you notice, Angela? He had a bell staff jacket on. Yes. <laughs> His uh, Lucas North outfit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's still my beating heart. <laughs> so Diana gives the okay and Matthew enters and he's a bit freaked out. <laughs> he's, like, uh, he's like, oh, book Matthew is back. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, what's it capable of? <laughs> It can tell stories, as we will see soon. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say we got magic Matthew as opposed to scientist Matthew this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I should say we got scientist Matthew going. Yeah. It's like, dude, you're the one that's lived with magic for fifteen hundred years. Right. You shouldn't be like so apprehensive here. Yeah, that's true. I don't think they made a habit of hanging out with witches though. The, the bishop <laughs> house true. though is like the genie from Aladdin, uh, Robin Williams version, where that he, he breaks, yeah. he breaks and he never had a friend like me. Song. <laughs> that's a bishop. House. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> we also meet Tabitha. Yay. Yay. Tabitha is beautiful. Tabitha is different than I imagined. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of looks old and crotchety to me. She does. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking she was more of a Siamese because in the book, the way she's she's got that attitude, see how Siamese attitude. Yeah. yeah. I always imagine her as like a black or charcoal, just regular tabby, just kind of mm-hmm. slinking around. Yeah. Yep. Like, what are you doing in my house? I pictured her the stereotypical Sabrina uh, cat, yeah. which is the black cat, even though she's charcoal. And I mean, she's supposed to be yeah. great, but in my head, I still picture yeah. her that way. The black cat. Yeah. Yep. All right. So now we're at the congregation. Yay. And uh, Agatha is giving Baldwin an earful. She suddenly got really invested in Diana Bishop. <sighs> and we know why. We saw the behind mm-hmm. the scenes because Sophie's carrying a witch baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of, yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, Diana Bishop is high priority to her. Domenico fails to retrieve her. You fail to retrieve her. And now what? Are you saying that we've lost her altogether? You expect us to believe that? You seem extraordinarily interested in Diana Bishop, Agatha. Is there something you'd like to tell us? My interest is in the Book of Life. You promised that Diana would answer our questions. And she will. Once we find Satu... And bring her and Diana home. Satu has Diana. I'm afraid it looks that way. And then Baldwin plants the seed of dissent. Satu has Diana. And we should focus on that, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have to say, he, he gave some grudging props to Agatha for standing up, though. He's kind of mm-hmm. looking at her like, well, his yeah, spidey sense don't is underestimate up. her. Yeah. His, his spidey yeah. sense. He's like, hmm, you've taken a special interest in her. What's that about? But he doesn't. Yeah. Then he, dro- he drops it, you know. Yeah. Well, she kind of shuts him up, too. So I, I, they have this yeah. formidable pair. And then Peter pipes in with his report, you know. He's looking rough, by the way. He's his, his tie is loose, his hair is messy. Yeah. <laughs> He's had a rough few days. <laughs> yeah, this management position is just not working out for him the way he thought. That's exactly what he looks like. <laughs> um, yeah, so after investigation, uh, there were two distinct magical markers. Satu is with another witch. Well, thank you, Peter. Right. Thank you for that. You know, yeah, we can't figure anything else out. <laughs> and in Bob. 
Baldwin's face is like, oh shit, this is going to work out for me for yeah. once. Like, Damn. <laughs> it makes it look believable. I'm totally going to get away with this shit. <laughs> and Domenico's like standing back there looking hot and just watching us all go on, trying yeah. to figure out how it can work it to Merkin and side eyeing everybody. I mean, I jam. I, I think we've created verbs out of Pierre, Pierre Pierre's. And you, yes. as you said in our other recording, the last episode, Gerbert, Gerberting. And this is Domenico Domenicoing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because Baldwin's just not going to tell them how he's involved. And only he knows what's really, really, really going on. And he's looking around for Gerbert, who's mysteriously absent. Like, where the hell is he? And he tells Domenico to go pay Juliet a visit and go find out. And then he advises the congregation, let us take care of our own. And Agatha's like, I will. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> yep. she was pissed at him, I think. Well, yeah. I, I mean, she had a new fervor about her. Well, I mean, and then everything starts like, I think part of her aggravation was she's got a new fervor. And then she's like realizing like, wait a minute, there is way more going on than then yeah there, then that is on the table that we don't have exactly so now we're back to madison and enter sarah and M. yay in the wagon wood grain jeep wagoneer <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, yes. we'll buy it from sarah secondhand for our show <laughs> but, oh. <laughs> yes audience we appreciate the wood grain style wagons yes we do <laughs> and, and as an aside we had a fan moment when we saw the first still because it was it, it reminded us so much of the demon wagon, our wood grain station wagon that we'd take you on a ride on our tour of this universe. In you know, I don't think some of our audience knows about our wood grain station wagon. Yeah. You're riding along with us, by the way. Yes. In our heads, we're riding along in a wood grain station wagon that works most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that back gate gets you know walking, yeah. <laughs> and we get thrown out at the back yeah. or left at the left at the rest area. Yeah, yeah. Can we pause to? Get Give props to the bumper sticker. Oh, oh yes. Yes. Uh, yes. It looks like a version or a similar or maybe even a replica of what the 10th Knot created. Yeah. Way back in the day. Way back in the day. So well done. Well done. We oh. love them. Yeah. <laughs> the, pro- the props in the set people are just so outstanding. They're and amazing. Love, speaking of the set, I love all of the wind chimes on the Bishop porch. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Diana and Matthew, they hear the car pull up and uh, they meet them on the porch. Diana? (laughs) Honey, oh my God. Did the house lock you out? What did I say? I said the house wouldn't like him. The house likes him fine. Tell me the truth. All this time, did you know what was wrong with me? Why don't we just, uh, just go inside? No, tell me now. What's going on? Did you know that I was spellbound? <laughs> what? I, um, I guess that you might be, yes. <sighs> Who was it? Dinah, you have to understand. Who? Who was it? Emily's excited to see him. Emily's like, oh, did the house lock you out? And what did you guys think of their interest in this greeting? Of the aunts by Diana. I love Sarah's. I told you the house wouldn't like him. Yes. <laughs> I love Sarah's. I love Sarah's yeah. pussy hat, quite frankly. 
<laughs> that was the best. I'm like, oh, cool. I know. She had a smirk on her face. I knew it. I knew the house wouldn't like him. Yes. <laughs> and here's where Diana goes off. I mean, she rails at them, yeah. demanding to know who's spellbounder. And Emily kind of ekes in with, well, it was Rebecca. <laughs> at, at first, it seemed like Sarah knew a little bit. And then all of a sudden, it was clear that she didn't know when Emily she started had no to. Clue. Right. Yeah. 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 Diana's like, what? And Matthew's like, what? <laughs> what? Uh, what? And Sarah's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you yes. know, it was like, woo. Sarah starts raising holy hell like she does. Rightfully so. Rebecca would never do this. And Diana just wants to know why and what's wrong with her. And Emily says, there's nothing wrong with you. And Diana's like, no, you don't do this for no reason. Not to your child. And Matthew, at this point, sits down. I was waiting for him to pull out the vampire equivalent to popcorn. Yes. You know? I yeah. noticed that you're like, he has the propriety to go, oh, shit, this is not my fight. I better sit down here. I better sit yeah. down. He, Where's he my was, popcorn? Yeah, he literally <laughs> stepped back from the fray like, yeah, not, mm-hmm. uh-uh. <laughs> Yeah, I think I want to stay out of this. <laughs> let, let all the steam run off on this on its own. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he showed a bit of restraint because normally... Uh, that's not he, in his nature. No, yeah. normally he'd be in the thick of it. Let me try to fix this and make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And run my hands through my hair as I worry my way through 16 ways that won't make it better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Emily explains that it was to do with Knox and he was only interested in the power she may have and they didn't want Peter to take her. And it was all too much for Diana. So she's getting ready to stomp off. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Fuck this shit, I'm out. <laughs> and then Sarah takes off after her mm-hmm. and then Matthew stands up to be the hero and tells Sarah, let her go. <laughs> excuse me? Like, excuse <laughs> <Right>. me? <laughs> and you can tell there's about to be a huge fight, but the house decides to get their attention and and call them all to story time. Gather around, folks. It's story time. Okay. Oh. Besides it being story time, it was brilliantly done. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Yes, it was. The house is telling a story. The house shuts them all up and they're forced to watch what really happened. What the hell? What's wrong with the house? It's, it's Peter Knox. He's found us. The house is trying to protect us. We're out of time. We see Rebecca and Steven and they're worried because Peter's on the way and the house is slamming doors. And she's like, that's just the house trying to protect us. Mm -hmm. And then we pop into the next scene. And next we see the full story of what Rebecca told her and Diana remembered in the Oubliette. Yes. So what we didn't get in the Oubliette, we got in this episode. This episode. Yes. Yes. We saw the webs and the house is showing, actually see the web as a spellbinding in this where they're telling her to lay still. And and Stephen's coming up with the spell, and here comes the web of her spellbinding mm-hmm. crawling up over her while Rebecca's trying to calmly tell her a story so she'll remember it. And yes, it was so well done. And then uh, the house shows them meeting a younger Peter Knox. Oh, his he, dye job was so off that wig. It was bad. The wig. Yeah. Oh my god. Perfect. But it was perfect for what the early eighties. Yeah. 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 He's like, I'm Peter. I'm like, oh fuck you, Peter. Oh, God, you're, you were slimy back then. Yeek. I know. And he tests Diana's magic, which would result in the report we saw in the witch's archives, the highly redacted one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we watch them packing up the car on this next scene and to go on that last trip before they were killed. Oh, my God. And the, I, I need to mention that car. Whoever was doing sourcing to 
it. Where the hell did they find that old Lincoln Town Car in, in <laughs> Wales? Where? I don't know. There's a big contingent of people in the UK that love American cars. I'm telling Still, you. Still, that's a boat. I mean, you're driving in in Europe. Well, it's a boat. And then it was like, and in the weirdest way, it was so perfect to convey and just like one glance at, uh, you know, Stephen's the older, fuddy-duddier half of that couple. Yeah. Yeah. Because Lincoln Town Car, that's something your grandma would drive. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) That's the old people car. And then uh, we'd watch them packing up the car to go on that last trip before they were killed. Oh, my God. Emily goes to say goodbye to Rebecca and asks her what's going on. And Rebecca's like, please don't ask me that. See, and I was like, oh. And this is where I have a new appreciation for Emily, an, an appreciation for Emily, just because that's a big burden and it's a lot. And I mean, and, and not only what Valerie brings to the table as Emily for this character, because I just mm-hmm. think she did it beautifully, but it's just, it it emphasizes how much she had to hold all these years. Yes. Really unfair. It kind of gives you an idea of the strength of her character. Yes. Where she's like, I have to hold on to this secret. And I'm not even, and she's not even exactly sure what that secret is other than they did something at, I mean, at that point that they did something in. Yeah. Uh, and I trust my pretty, friend and I yeah. trust that she's no, yeah, she's doing it for the she's benefit. Doing the best she can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so this whole story is playing out before Sarah and Em and Matthew and Diana. And after it ends, Diana takes off to run in the woods. She goes to the tree where Rebecca's initials carved in. Oh my God, it broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then Matthew follows her out in the woods and then he reassures her that there's nothing wrong with her. There never was. And I was like, Oh, I know. Oh, God. And then they realized that the spell was tied to Matthew as well. And what did you guys think of the whole thing? I mean, the whole thing. I know we said it was brilliantly done, but the way they did that, they took so much into this little sequence where a lot makes sense. Do you know? Yes. They took a ton of exposition in the book from three or four different places and they distilled it Yes, into this yes. really powerful moment. I mean, and I think it's appropriate for Matthew to say it and reveal it, but I thought the other, the cynical part of me thought, well, this is rich. Matthew figuring everything out and giving advice to Diana when he's right. a total yeah. mess. <laughs> Not, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> but he did, he he kind of was the one that figured out that he was tied to it too. And yes. Yeah. So, I mean, he stumbled on it, but yeah. I guess for sake, sake of time, we can't, we can't have lots of Matthew floundering. Right. right no. Exactly. No, I like the it way it was done. Sc- it eats up screen time. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew floundering is very time consuming. <laughs> yeah. God. It's in just a beautiful, wonderful package for somebody who's coming in blind to understand what's going on. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful that they created a moment for the viewer where you're actually kind of standing in the shoes of the characters because you're watching it unfold just like they are and presumably having the same emotions. I was going to ask you guys, were you not engrossed like through the whole story time, dream sequence type of thing? And then afterwards, I I finally snapped out of it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just totally compelled. It was mesmerizing, really. Yes. So... This next scene, I couldn't make it through without crying the first <laughs> few times. Even this last time, I Sarah made me cry because oh. I felt like this before. Yes, I've been Sarah before. Um, not being able to take care of your child or not knowing or being How kept to? in the dark yeah. about something mm-hmm. that someone didn't think you could handle it. So right. they kept you in the dark. And yeah. I, oh, my God. Sarah, look at me, please. Please, please, please look at me. She trusted you. She did, honey. She trusted you to be the carer, 
the warrior to keep her safe while she was gone. And that is exactly what you did, my love. Oh, honey, don't cry, please. That was draining. God, I can't believe Alex Kingston wasn't nominated for yeah. something with that. Just that snippet right there was, she was oh, yeah. just so. That scene ruined me. I mean, the first time I watched it, I was uh, virtually couch watching with Laura, and I think she was laughing at me. I was like, Sarah made me cry. <laughs> for, for Laura to laugh at you crying? That's wow. Sad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No, but, like, yeah, but it makes it even, I mean, you're you're touched and you feel her pain and you want to cry with her. And then when Emily says, don't cry, you're like, oh my God. Oh don't my God. Don't make it worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. So, okay. In this next scene, Satu confronts Peter, creepy like, like a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she caught him while he was asleep. Woo. <laughs> And then Peter wakes up to Satu staring at him with a with that little stress ball he used to abuse her in the witch's archives, you know? Yeah. And she's kind of like, oh, okay. Who's got the power now, bitch? Right. Anyway. <laughs> Satu... A little stress ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it looks like, a little stress ball, the way he squishes it. Was it was called something. I'll have to find it because it was in the yes. props at the uh, science uh, oh, or the con. Right. They called it something. I don't remember what it was, though. Yeah, we'll put a... it in the show notes, people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Satu realized that Peter loved Rebecca, but he loved her power a little bit more, you know? And then she confesses she lost her power and she wants to know if it'll come back. Satu in the show is perplexing to me. It's like she does bad things, but for her and her mind, they're for the right reasons. Yeah, it's like she's seeks answers, man. Well, I think she has she has an awakening too where she thinks she's mm-hmm. doing she's on one mission and then she realizes, "Hey, this isn't what I thought. I'm going to make this yeah, right yeah. for myself, my own integrity." And she's a beautiful lesson in why you should be empathetic with characters. Yes, true. I mean, we didn't know about all of this in the books. Yeah, we didn't know all the stuff that was going on with her and it's like, you know, don't just presume. Yeah. There, there's other things going on with people that you need to think about and and literally the show writers have put us in her shoes and let us walk with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. She's a definite lesson in empathy. It's like nothing is black and white with these characters. Nothing. Well, with Peter, there is pretty black and white. Well, I mean, she's kind of a shit <laughs> thing. <Yes. laughs> now I'm going to go back to our New Orleans panel and see exactly what we said about Satu and our empathy for her. Because I know, like as you said, it wasn't misplaced, but now I'm going to actually compare. Yeah. Yes. Compare to see what we said versus what's going well, on we know now even we know more now i know wow anyway she goes on to tell peter about the prophecy she heard about through mary diana and the end of vampires and satu is totally convinced that matthew's bad and in her head they need to get diana away from him i don't know deprogrammer or something i don't know (laughs) what they do once they had her i mean uh but you think after that stuff at la pierre she'd be more reluctant to attempt another kidnapping because it didn't go so well for her the first time you know i I don't know well maybe maybe she She's thinking this time a kidnapping would go better if there's two witches involved instead of her and Jerbear and Jerbear's sexual predilections. <laughs> yeah, Jerbear in that case is utterly useless to her. <laughs> yeah, he was thinking. He was thinking with his vampire dick. 
Or something. Or something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now we're in Sarah's still room and she's looking through her grimoire and Matthew's not impressed by what Sarah's coming up with because Sarah's going through the witch's equivalent of elementary school witch stuff. Oh, he was being so Matthew here. And he he wants Sarah to teach her how to fight. And Sarah's ready to fight with Matthew. (laughs) I was hoping we were going to get the whole tear down. Yeah. Curing a fever. How to fix a leaky roof. This is child's play. Where are the spells for self-defense, for setting up a, a shield around the property? That's just not possible. Those spells haven't worked in generations. Look, I know you're worried about Knox finding you. I'm worried about Diana's power. She needs to learn control. Now, you may think these spells are quaint, but that's what they teach. With they teach respect, control. Sarah, that witch came to kill her. And Matthew's all with this phrase, he says, with respect, Sarah, which is kind of like a business statement of thank you in advance. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or no offense. <laughs> no offense. That means I'm about to offend you badly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Basically trying to be polite, but you want immediate results. So uh, Matthew is failing at the polite part because we understand him and we see him. We see how he's how things are going anyway. So so Sarah tells him loudly that Diana needs control and needs to learn the basics. And um, Diana enters at this point, breaks it up by saying, it's like, OK, Sarah, you'll teach me the basics. And Matthew, you are now my defense trainer. OK, calm down, people. Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> so we pan into watching Diana trying to light a candle. And Sarah's telling her that she can't just say the word. She has to mean it. Say it with intention. Mm-hmm. So that was good. I, I kind of like this little scene where she's just you know, waving her hands and trying to get shit to work and it's not working out for her. Well, we had talked about this in our, the one with the witches, one of our really early episodes about cooking with love and Mm -hmm. compared it to Mm -hmm. saying a magic spell with intention. Yeah. Versus, you know, throwing something in the microwave and be like, okay. As like I said, like I would. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll work its own magic on its own. (laughs) And in the other room, we witnessed a conversation between Matthew and Emily and Stephen a time walker. What did you think about this sort of reveal about that? I love Where he the, finds the box and he's like, hmm. That was clever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I know. And she's like, hmm. He always picked up souvenirs he didn't think had about a vampire seeing them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought... Hmm. Put a pin in that. We'll talk about it later. I thought it was yeah. clever, though. I didn't think it was like kitschy or too much. No, when, because Matthew, it would be totally believable that Matthew would recognize the exact origins and style of the box. We already witnessed it when he was eating the food in Diana's house. Yeah, he could tell. And this is where we learn about the three objects they need to travel in time. Yes, this gets more interesting. Yeah, and we're like, what? Oh, okay. Back to Diana and Sarah. She's doing it. And then she uh, she's you see the little smoke come out of the wick. And it's like, oh, she lit the hanging herbs on the ceiling. Yeah. On fire. <laughs> a, little, a little bit misdirected. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Sarah goes ahead and she puts it out. And she's like, OK, again. And so the lessons are going on. But back in Venice, Domenico has gone to visit Miss Juliet. In the scene. God, the the scene scene was so well Mm -hmm. staged. So well staged. And the dialogue. I was shipping them together in my head at this point. Between that and the club scene. Oh my God. Damn, you guys need to hook up. Once again, props to Sarah Walker, how she did this episode. Yes. I was like, forget Matthew. Domenica's right in front of you, Juliet. Are you crazy? (laughs) Oh, right. You are. (laughs) Girl, you need to hit that. Man. (laughs) Hit it and quit it, but still hit it. Man. 
Chabert doesn't control you. He does. I'll get you the file. The way I see it, you either go after Matthew or you burn it. Prove I'm wrong. Walk away from all this. Either way, you'd be free. I love the statement that Gerbert doesn't control you. He does, meaning Matthew. Yes. I love that. Yes. It's like, <gasps> this is the name Matthew controls her. Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Matthew Benny. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm still laughing about that. <laughs> what I loved was how Sarah Walker used the gate between them. Not only did she exploit visual cues that are just so appropriately Venetian, mm-hmm. but that iron gate between them just added to the whole tension in the scene between them that just Oh, it was brilliant. I just Yeah, it was. I could I could I backed up and watched that scene four or five times because it was just like it, it was yeah. perfectly done. Wow. I mean, like you said, the tension, you know, that they're I mean, they're not going to kiss or anything, even though and she's a prisoner, basically. Yeah, figuratively yeah. and literally. She, yes. Mm-hmm. And he's he's the one that comes to kind of set her free. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted right. it was an opportunistic thing on his part and he's trying to right. set things in motion, but you know, he's a little birdie telling her, Hey, you can do this. Hey. That's a good way to look at it. He's visiting the the bird in the cage. Yep. There you go. He gives her a few nuggets to chew on. Like, hey, I have information on Diana Bishop. If you're cause here, you go. Here you go. If you want it, you'll come seek it. You know, what's up? I'll let you chew on that for a while. <laughs> I'm like, yep. wow. So Juliet's like, she's just sitting there pondering the information Domenico just gave her. And she has to figure out a way, <laughs> figure out if she's going to stay beholden to Gerber or pursue what she wants. The real Matthew this time. <laughs> so. And when you step back, I mean, you see Domenico after you're engrossed in this, this scene, but then you step back and go, okay, he just stirred the pot, stirred the pot, stirred the yeah. pot. <laughs> he is a shit stirrer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yes. All right. So we go back to Madison, back to witch training. It's going bad, really bad. <laughs> Look. We're both just too worked up. We just... Your magic works differently from my magic, Sarah. You can't help me with this. We'll take a break, I think. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. No. Diana is gets really frustrated because Sarah's like, no, you got to just keep trying. And Diana's like, you know what? Um, You can't help me with my magic. You know, you don't know what's going on. And Sarah gets really offended, as she should, because Diana was being a little smart and they were both being kind of smart with each other. I almost couldn't watch this scene for obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was too painful. I swear I just did this this morning. <laughs> yeah, I was like, were you fe- feeling like your life was on repeat? Yes, yeah, exactly. So Diana gets frustrated frustrated. Sarah's like, I think we're going to continue this later, right? And she's headed upstairs. Diana gets frustrated. She's like, ah! And she disappears. Yeah. Sarah thought it might be Satu snatching her up and Matthew shushes her and can hear her somewhere. Mm -hmm. He couldn't hear her and then he could. That's what was so brilliant. Yeah. And Diana time walked into the hot barn. Woo! Yes! Just like that. Matthew catches up with her and is like, what just happened, dude? And she's like, he suggested, he was the one that said, you know, you could have time walked. You know, your dad was a time walker. And she's like, really? Oh, my God. Hug kiss. <laughs> well, you know, Matthew, he's never quick to like reveal information. Oh, I'll tell her later. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you could have told me. <laughs> okay. So the next scene, we're in London in Hamish's office. And Agatha is talking to him about Sophie. 
and that she was born to witches and she needs to find Diana and she knows Hamish knows where she is. You know what I'm risking even by telling you this. Right now, Nathaniel and Sophie are safe. They're anonymous. You really think that Diana's what? Savior of the demons? Sophie does. There's so much that we don't understand. She throws him this line like, hey, this could be the answer. This could be what demons have been looking for. Answers. And that got Hamish. He's like, okay, here's the address. (laughs) And what I love is you saw Hamish's little wheels spinning for a second. And I was like, well, we had this conversation back in episode two after Matt slammed my house. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And patted me on the head. Now I'm having this conversation with Agatha, who's talking about Diana Bishop. Yeah. Emphasis. Sizing Diana instead of the book. And he yeah. was just like, hmm, maybe I should go talk to Isabel. Yeah, there might be something to this here. Mm-hmm. So now I love this scene. The church scene with Juliet. <gasps> oh, oh, yeah. The mass in Latin. Uh, oh, when they walked in there, I was the first thing I wasn't even looking at Jerber. I was looking at Juliet, tall, just walking in. She had a new resolve about yes. her. It was like, uh, and the burgundy again. Yeah, the burgundy. Yes, yep. The burgundy comes up again. It's like you don't know whose side she's on. Come to make confession, Jerber. My conscience is clear. And then Baldwin sitting in the pews. What'd you guys think of all of this? This little exchange. The staging was perfect. And I still want to know who the hell was sitting next to him. Was that Miriam? Was it? Was it Miriam? Was I it, don't think was so. It, was it Varen? You never got a look at her face and she had a yeah. hat on. So it's hard oh, to tell. She was, was a little bit obscured. I don't think it was Miriam, but it definitely could have been someone else we have met but not seen. Yes. Right. So Baldwin confronts Jerbear about Satu. And Jerbear throws Juliet under the bus saying that Juliet offered the castle of Satu. He knows nothing about it. But she wouldn't step off the curb. I love her. Oh, no. Mr. Rand does nothing without you telling her to. And that's Baldwin. Yeah. I always wonder, though, who's... Whose idea it was for this meeting place? It had to be Gerbert to say, "Let's if you want to meet, let's meet here." Because I don't think Baldwin would pick a Latin mass. Well, I mean, a, a Catholic mass, I should say. It was mm-hmm. a public place. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, him Gerbert being Pope, I'm just saying that it would have to be yeah. his idea. Mm-hmm. The, cathed- the cathedral in Venice may have been neutral ground. Yeah, and it was public, so if you know yeah. Gerbert or Baldwin wanted to bite his head off, no, I, not I know. Witnesses. I'm just yeah. saying they they could have met a number of places, but it just because of him being former Pope and the way that uh, Baldwin views Catholicism as being transactional. Yeah, maybe, maybe, exactly. maybe, maybe it worked for him. It is a transaction yeah. we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was so interesting, too, is the fact that Baldwin had the upper hand in that he he was at Gerbert's back. How did yes. that happen? Mm. Well, it was interesting because he said, are you here for confession? And he just kind of laughed it off. But that is how you would do confession. The person confessing doesn't see who they're confessing to. Exactly. Yep. So after except in Bal- those newfangled post-Vatican II yes. churches. Where is my confessional? Damn it. I'm not <laughs> looking anybody in the eye. So after Baldwin says, Mr. Rand does nothing without you telling her to. Gerbert's like, not when it comes to Matthew, pal. Mm-mm. And I loved how Juliet just left him hanging. I loved it when she walked out of the church. I kept thinking she's beautiful and free because Gerbert's yeah. like, you know, hey, so Juliet, right? Remember that time you told... Uh- <laughs> You told Satu that you could use that castle and, you know, and Juliet's like, nope, I don't remember. 
She gets up and she just walks yeah. out of there. She almost said it. She almost agreed twice. She, but then she got her resolve and her nerve back and denied knowing about it. She just walked out of the church. She threw a wrap around her and she just, I'm free. She hit the freedom button. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the way she carried herself reminded me of um, Christy Turlington in yeah. that video. <laughs> yeah. And Domenico's just outside smirking. He got what he wanted. Yeah. Oh, man. Was he actually leaning against the wall just kind of with his arms crossed? Yeah. But just like just like the devil on somebody's shoulder. That's what it reminded me of. He wanted, All his plans came to fruition. Yeah, he yep. wanted a little scoop, though. He's like, Juliet. And she just kept going like, hey, I don't answer to anyone anymore. Not That's even right. you. Yep. Right. And Domenico's like, good girl. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Uh-huh. Good girl. Okay, so uh, we're back in Madison in the woods doing some self-defense training with Matthew. Uh-huh. And he's speeding around and, hey, you're not being fast enough. Do it again. I'm yeah. over here. Mm-hmm. What's up? Hey. He speeds around and knocks into her and she was bleeding a little. And Matthew got a little bit weird. He's like, uh, yeah. I won't harm you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then she's like, ah, look, my hand is bleeding right in front of his face. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, she's, and she gets on top of him and she's like, da, 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 da. And then he grabs. And says, Fuck I it. I'm know. like, oh my God. Oh man, that was like mm, perfect moment. I know. Girl. She's like, oh, so remember that first time we met and you said, yes. walk, don't run. And she's like <laughs> waving her bloody hand. I'm like, Diana, what are you doing? And Matthew's <laughs> like, Diana, what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> that was so hot though. I yeah. And it. he's growling and he's like, oh, fuck. And he's all sexy. And, yeah. He had to chase her. He had to yes. chase her. And then she flies. She takes off in flight. It was great. Yeah. It was great. It was she's great. Like, I just need a little more danger. Thanks. That was, that was. I mean, this <laughs> astonishment tamped down the thing, the yeah. anger that was, the, the primal instinct that was bubbling in him. <laughs> I guess I just need a little more danger. <laughs> Yeah, and then it was like the joy, and then he's just like mellowed out for a second. Yeah, yeah, and then when she comes in for a landing, he's like, "Wait, hang on, hang on, you've never landed before." Yeah, and she's like, "No, it's cool." (laughs) She knocks him over. She not she lands on top of Matthew, and it turned into something different. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, tell me, was it fireworks, guys? I thought, you know, it was hot. I don't think you needed. I don't think you needed vis- the visual fireworks. No, yeah, effect on that because he, yeah, was, <laughs> he, she knows his way around. Yeah, but the did they or didn't they came up again in my head. Not, not this time. It didn't. Really? No, because no, he, no. he pretty clearly didn't. Didn't and it, 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 in the it conventional was, way. It no. was fairly um, non-reciprocal, shall we say? Yes, in, yes. in a girl power sort of way. <laughs> um, I mean, the next scene looks like postcoital, but I still guess. Yeah, well, no. they were they were still kind of. No, they both well, but they they took it inside. They took the show inside. Well, they yeah, took the show inside. But and then, but when they were cuddling, it's like, that's oh, what did it, we black out? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That looked like postcoital to me. I mean, it looked like yeah, yeah. clothes on or not, it doesn't mean you didn't do it. But I mean, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm still with, I'm still with the program that they didn't. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> 
So in the aftermath, it post, uh, <laughs> post non-coital or coital, however you want to see it, it's whoever's watching, however you wanted to see it, just stick with that, okay? Just, yeah, I, and, and who I might have tell yeah, you, yeah, it, 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 the scene worked for me. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> in the aftermath, Matthew yeah. confesses that he hurt two women that he loved, and he's worried about harming Diana. And Diana's like, "Dude, I'm a witch. I'm a pretty good one. You can't hurt me. I won't let you." Yeah. Also, you don't want to hurt me. All right. <laughs> I know. I'm glad she's convinced. Pat, pat, pat. <laughs> That's so nice, Diana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the next day we watch a cab pull up to the medicine house and it's Miriam and Marcus. Yay! <laughs> and you can tell Miriam is not pleased to be there. And Marcus is like, oh, come on, Miriam. And then she hisses at Tabitha, which was great. That whole scene was awesome. Oh, God. Yes. It was just so understated and perfect. I know. And then Marcus knocks on the door and... Wait, wait, back up a second, because Miriam's remark, uh, well, surely we're here just to guard the place. Like, you get a sense again that she's been on assignment once again by the Declaremonts. Like, and, and how many centuries has she? Yes. You could hear the, hear her eyes rolling in her voice. She's yes. like, Jesus, not again. <laughs> what? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Matthew's latest conundrum. I'm here. What now? Yeah, I'm a, brill- I'm a brilliant scientist and you're going to make me guard a house yeah. in Madison. I just, I love Aisha's, how do you pronounce her name? Aisha? Aisha. Characterization of Miriam. Because oh, I did too. It's like, you, you get her frustration. You get that she and Matthew are equals in a lot of ways. Yes. And she sees it that way. And she just kind of embodies the frustration that so many women professional feel for their male colleagues <laughs> to me. See, oh you God, don't. not this again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, are you going to start mansplaining to me too? I, I mean, uh, yeah. she just she communicates so much just with the looks she gives people. I think so. I've always had an appreciation for her, but this portrayal takes it to another level. I mean, maybe several levels. <laughs> and, and this is kind of a tangent, but the way she handled Miriam makes me think that a, a younger woman could have handled Isabel, like the way Isabel came across in the book. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A younger actress. Yeah. So that's if, just my soapbox for the day. Seeing her portray Miriam now, I would be in heaven to see a, a Times convert with her in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. As a parental met unit? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes. I mean, th- oh. there's no disputing who would be in charge there. That, that yeah. would be Miriam. Yeah. Her playing an exasperated Miriam in Times convert. Oh, that would be heaven. Mm. All right. So Marcus knocks on the door and Sarah answers with her Sarah face and stare. <laughs> And Emily busts the tension, but with her with her welcome, I love when she quickly says, uh, "Mi casa, su casa." Yeah, <laughs> she's flapping her hands around the whole nine yards, and it's not making anything any better. Yeah, <laughs> we've all been in those situations. Miriam like, and Sarah oh, just mirrored each other. They were standing kitty corner from each other, and they both yeah. had the standoff look. Yeah, like. What? No, what with you? Right, you know, exactly. <laughs> Emily knows how to handle Sarah, and that's just obvious on the show. I like the two together. Alex Kingston and uh, Valerie Pettiford yes. gold together. Yes. I think they very good. Chemistry. Yes. So the convo around the coffee table in the <laughs> keeping room. <laughs> let's discuss this, shall we? <laughs> oh, my God. It was so I mean, perfect. First, first, let's just talk about the Bishop House scenery, the inside. And we, we've been inside previously in this episode, but I I just had thought they must have consulted with Deb because she had a specific vision of what she pictured the Bishop House to look like inside and out. And it seems like they've brought it to life, literally. Yes, exactly. How on earth could anyone think that you're, that you're human? Sarah, you're hardly inconspicuous yourself. 
The smell of henbane is coming off you in waves. You got a problem, Junior? Oh, no, no, no. It's just, um, you look so much like your namesake. It's Sarah Bishop, your ancestor. She taught me how to set a broken leg at the Battle of Bunker Hill. That is so fascinating, Marcus. I mean, did you know her well? Um, enough already. So they're sitting around the coffee table and Sarah's like, how could anyone think you guys are human? And then (laughs) and Miriam's like, well, you guys should talk. You guys smell of henbane. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So so I squeed when she said that. Marcus with his face, he's all smiling. I was going to say 200 plus your fresh faced Marcus. (laughs) And then he tries to step into the breach like Emily did with his version of like waving hands and trying to make things better and it didn't again another fail well I don't even think he was trying he was just fascinated he's like staring at Sarah it's like he knew a Sarah Bishop so he's like staring at her like wow yeah cool I I have things to talk to you about I have to admit because I love this scene so much I went back while I was watching this scene I went back to the book and it's pretty much lockstep from Miriam saying you smell like henbane to him saying I knew your ancestor Sarah Bishop in the Bunker Hill setting so it was I love that it was they they did it almost lockstep I love uh uh, the TV shows uh, when they did the script where she's turning around and looking at him like, uh, you got a problem, Junior? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. That is my favorite. That's quintessential, Sarah. Uh, and then Miriam's wigging out about the house wigging out, you know, <laughs> like the house started shaking and Diana's explaining, hey, the house doesn't like it when we argue. And Emily's like, oh, you knew a Sarah Bishop? That's really cool. And Sarah's like, Emily, shut up. Right. <laughs> then the house yeah. has the last word. Yeah. Sarah's going on. It's like, oh, wow. Now we have vampires in this house. Everybody's going to notice us. You might as well fucking call a parade or right. something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and yeah, that's that's when the house is like, OK, yeah. Sarah, you've had call the Madison paper or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the Bishop House is the ultimate Emily because Emily, yes. when Emily can't defuse a situation. The Bishop House, the house always does. does. Yes. yes. <laughs> Always shut Sarah up too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I love I love the expression on Marcus's face when like the package arrives. She's like, yeah. oh, this is what I, yeah. I just I just had a thought. Is that what my house thinks of me? <laughs> if, my, yeah. if my house is the Bishop House and I'm Sarah Bishop. <laughs> oh man. Oh wow. I'm so sorry. <gasps> my real estate agent, okay, this is totally taken off the rails, but my real estate agent was convinced that each house there is a sentient aura about each house that you live in because it's got the energy of the people that lived in and before it. And so, I mean, so it's not too far off. Honestly, I loved when Miriam's like wigging out about the house, wigging out and she's like, what is that? And Matthew's like, eh, magic house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never heard of one? It was so funny. I mean, the way he's, it was so cheeky in a way. Yeah. 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 Oh, look look at me. I'm all in the know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the page from Ashmole 782 pops up. Oh, and it was so pretty. It was beautiful. The art department did a stunning job on it. And Matthew's like, we need to get it to a lab. And Sarah's like, I got a still room and I know just the spell. So these two are still clashing. Yes. Science (laughs) versus magic. Yep. There you go. They're still working together. They're clashing, but they're finding a way to work together. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry we didn't get that. Well, sorry. Never mind. Put a pin in that. Spoiler in. zone. Yeah. Spoiler zone. <laughs> no, it's it's it is interesting though. Science versus magic, and they have to meet in the middle. You know where that mm-hmm. blurred line is to find a solution. Yep. Alchemy. Yep. <laughs> so back 
Satsu Domenico skulking around Venice. He runs into a perilous Satsu. Oh, dear. <laughs> and, and I love the way it was staged to sort of mirror Juliet and Matthew, Matthew Benet. Benet. <laughs> and, uh, but you get Juliet so, so incredibly out of control. And then Domenico is so controlled. Yes. Or you mean Satsu? Satsu. Out of, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, Domenico in the way that he, he stalks. Oh, Satsu. I see. When you're talking parallel scenes. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Domenico, this is what a vampire who's got his wits about him is yeah. like versus Juliet, who's not quite all there. there. She's triggered. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, Domenico goes, uh, Venice is no place for a witch without magic. Oh, sad. Yes. She, she kind of collapses there. And I'm like, oh, shit. I know. Yeah. Fuck. I know, I know. <laughs> so back in Madison again, Matthew and Diana are studying this page. She's putting together the pieces. And so is Matthew. And they're figuring out, hey, you know, this might be about us. Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back in Venice, and Domenico has sat too. And Baldwin wants to toast him, but Domenico breaks in and said, Hey, I thought you hated Matthew, but I see now it works out for you to focus on our errant witch versus yours. And Baldwin's like, Satu trespass. So, yeah, she needed to face me in the congregation, bring her to me. Domenico's like, Yeah, no, not yet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was so great. I love yeah. that scene so much. The, the way the two of them play off each other and the contrast. Yeah. I mean, you've got Domenico and his bald opportunism and then you've got Baldwin, Baldwin who doesn't need to be he doesn't done. need to be opportunistic because he's got the world at his feet because he right. he's the head of the De Claremont family and in tying into something else that we find we'll find out is they've got a his they have a history, Baldwin and Domenico, which I hope will be totally revealed someday. But the other thing that's so weird about this is that Baldwin lost the upper hand here in this negotiation which it was somewhat surprising to me. It got flipped. Yeah. yeah. Baldwin asks what Domenico wants, and Domenico's like, nothing. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Man. Domenico, you're right. Domenico has the total upper hand right here, and he walks out. It's like, he strikes damn. me as the kind of guy who's like collecting all of those in his pocket. You know, I've mm-hmm. got the upper, yeah. I've got the upper hand here and got this over here. And then he's just going to whatever kinda... he needs to do to get the upper hand. He will. Use. Yeah. He's, he's loyal onto himself. By hook or crook, man. Yes. Which is kind of how Venice is in real history. He's, um, I wouldn't say he's very much like Satu in that way, mm-hmm. where where he's just looking for little bits of information, but I don't know what his motives are well, other than revenge. He's He is not emotionally driven at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Satu, on the other hand, I think is emotionally driven. Her goal is, I think at the end of the day, safety for witches like her. Yeah. She, she, there's, she has some empathy for other people who might be in her situation, whereas yeah. Domenico doesn't give a shit about anything anybody but Domenico, period, dot, end of story. Domenico is about Domenico. Yeah. yeah. She's been living in isolation so long. And I think she thought that her world vision was one way. And now that she's out and about and is exposed, like almost when you get uh, jaded. Um, but now yeah. she's, she's on a yeah. mission for um, self-preservation and self-revelation. She's got a, I, I think she thought this was going to be quick and easy. And she's realizing that she's got a long journey ahead of her. Right. Yeah, And she, she is on a journey just like Diana is really. Yes. 
this congregation, the members are certainly not team players. I mean, everything you learn about them in team building. Oh my God. They do the exact opposite. It's the most dysfunctional organization ever from an organizational psychology perspective. I mean, even earlier when they were having a meeting, I'm like, why is everyone standing? I know. I know. And then then three of you don't even talk. They would fail at all the leadership seminars. You know, they wouldn't even get the complimentary pen to take home with them. (laughs) They'd be grabbing it out of their hands as they're walking out the door. Nope, not for you. You know those trust exercises where everybody's supposed to stand behind somebody and they're supposed to just fall. You know, no one would fall. No, they'd be like, no. They'd be trying to figure out how how to shank someone with their pen instead of, you know, (laughs) how to write with it. And that's why they're not getting complimentary pens. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the next scene is in the woods in the hot barn and she's going through her little self-defense lessons and Diana is sensing a vampiric presence. And Matthew's looking on and saying, okay, I'm here. Come find me. And she's putting her hands up in the air and she's she's sensing a vampire. She's like, oh, I sense a vampire, but it was the wrong one. Sense a vampiric presence. No cheating, okay? <laughs> Stay exactly where you are. You must be Diana. Yeah. She found Juliet. And oh my God, that ends that. Yes. End yes. scene. Can't gasp. Anything else to add to this episode before we say oh goodbye God. to if our non th- If we put one more thing on this episode, I think my heart will be crushed. Oh gosh. So those of you who don't want spoilers, we're about to enter the spoiler zone. Your best bet is to stop the podcast now. We'll say bye to you right here. Bye. Jean will give you her demon kiss. To everybody who's leaving us right now. (laughs) And for the rest of you, after this break, we'll do some compare and contrast with the books and take it a little further. We always take it a little further. Always. Find this show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Contact us. We are at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 360-519-7836. Or leave us one on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Hit us up on social media, and we are at Demons Discuss or at Demons Domain. Join our Facebook group, Demonic Discussers. The keys to get in are in the show notes. And if you're listening on your mobile device, click the description. It'll be there, too. Become a discusser. And there are two ways to do that now. And if you're in the U.S., Text ADOW as an ADAL, as in a discovery of witches. So text ADOW to 444 999 or visit demons Scroll down, fill out the form and spammer code, and that's it. You're a discusser. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com, to see what we're up to. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Keep Angela alive! All right. Welcome back, everybody. Those of you who stuck with us, I'm going to start. Story time at the house. That was a big difference that I approve of. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Most of that we got in the oubliette. 
in the books. I have to say, though, in the yes, in the books, though, I was a little confused of what was going on when it was in the Oubliette. I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. Is she dreaming? Is she is what? What is this? So is this real? Yeah. Or she is she really seeing her parents or is it just a fever dream? Yeah. So as <laughs> yeah. I missed it in episode six, I'm glad we got this version in episode seven. We did. Jean, how about you? How about me? Yeah. I just, it, it worked for me. You got the, a little bit, if they, I felt like where they were up in the attic of the um, Bishop House felt a little bit more like a fairy tale cottage and it wasn't so cold and sterile. You got the sense of the fairy tale mm-hmm. in in that scene and then the way all of that information was communicated kind of like an emotional movie or emotional yeah, residue yes. in the house yeah. was just so powerful and it was so relatable because so many times you you read about how ghosts are in some ways emotional residue and basically yeah. memories charged with energy. Yeah. yeah. It yes. just worked for me. Yeah, it did. It almost makes me wonder. Um, I mean, Deb has said that when a vampire reads blood, it's not an info dump, but it almost makes me wonder if that's how vampires see their information. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it felt like a time loop, which was kind of mm-hmm. nice. Kind of a stream of consciousness, like kind of just, it's just coming through you and you're just watching it. And- yes. And, and I think Sarah Walker did such a, a, a smart thing because... There wasn't a lot of information exchanged in that that whole sequence at all, aside from the fact that you see them performing the spell. Yeah, you, you get it. It's more of an emotional dump as opposed to an information dump. Yes, to see that child bound up like that, and when you have to do it to your own child for their own safety. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like taking your kid to making your having to have your kid have surgery. Yeah, if you think about it that way, it's necessary, but you wish you didn't have to. Yeah, you know the image that they did with the covers over little Diana. Yes. That's what it reminded me of, a surgical bed. It was like, it breaks your heart that you have to let go of your child as they wheel her into the OR. And that's kind of what they did, magical surgery. Yeah. And that's kind of what pulled up my heart too, is that she was a little apprehensive, very little apprehensive Diana was, but she Mm -hmm. just was so compliant for the most part. Trusting and it's my parents. She had a little complaint. She's like, I don't like how it feels. Right. Rebecca's Mm -hmm. like, okay, it'll be over soon. I know. And that's what hold really still. A child trusting their parents or the person in charge or whoever that's like, oh, geez, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next thing for me is Sarah making me cry. Holy. I think that scene was beautiful. I love that scene. And we didn't see it in the books because the books are mostly from Diana's point of view. Right. But to see how agonized Sarah was over the fact that she didn't know this was happening with her niece and she's been put in charge of this this child and she's thinking maybe she handled it all wrong and had she known, but they didn't trust her. And it's just, oh, so much. It was so much in that scene. It was, it was a couple things. I mean, it wasn't even some, for me, I didn't think it was so much that she wasn't told, like Rebecca didn't tell. Well, I mean, that was part of it. But the other part is when you feel you should have known, I should have seen the signs. I should have been more compassionate. I should have realized that they were going through this and I didn't. I was just upset or whatever, you know, Yeah. Um, when you find out if, if a, either whether it doesn't have to be a child, it could be someone in, in your life, whether an adult yeah. or a child, and they're going through um, a trying time and you're like, God, I, why wasn't I there? Why didn't I see the signs? And then you start beating yourself up over that. And then she starts, you know, doing some self-reflection. It's like they knew I would rail off after Peter and they knew I would just, I would lose my cool. And yes. they yeah. trusted you to hold it. And, you know, it, it's kind of a betrayal, but she understood. Yes. So, yeah, that was a tough scene for me. It was good. It was so good. Oh. And then uh, Satu cornering Peter. I enjoyed seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. 
I'm so glad we got that. Yeah. I'm enjoying the revelation of this whole backstory of, with Satu. I think it's almost like we're on a parallel track. Exactly. It's Diana, not too soon. It's, it's not too much. Um, it's, it's You're right. It's a parallel journey. And I think it's, I, I hate to say it, and we're going to, you know, see two very different results at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, how they kept emphasizing with Meridiana and uh, Gerbera said there's two witches, one dark, one light. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we're, we are kind of getting a parallel journey with Satu. It's like, well, here's where things went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can kind of see where things veered for each one of them. I mean, but and now can you can we see why we, they cast her dark? Yes. Yes. I, I understand. When in the book she was she was blonde or light hair. Yeah. yeah. It's visual. Yeah. It is visual. It's visual, but it's also it also makes more sense now. Yes. Yes. And she is a, she is a triple Scorpio too. So <laughs> <laughs> it is visual, but you know, I I, I will admit, I, at first I was like, oh, of course they're going to make the mean one fucking brunette. <laughs> no, she's, she's she's not as mean, as, but she's not as mean as we thought she was. No, no. she doesn't come across that way. I mean, the thing she does is horrific, but we understand, we can empathize. Yes. why she does what she does. <laughs> well, even in like in the beginning, what the what first episode when she's like, I'm just trying to live out here in peace, and you guys have to come bother me. This is what happens. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am sick of your shit. Chronically. Right. Exactly. Right. I was out here witching in the woods, not bothering anybody. <laughs> Humans do not disappoint. You know? No. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and since we're talking about Satu, the other thing that I really kind of loved, and, and I don't know if this was purposeful or not, but when they, they come and they meet Jillian for the first, oh, the congregation wants to talk to you, Jillian. That, that whole scene with yes. Sylvia and, mm-hmm. yeah. and the way Satu perches herself up in the back, of, on the back of that couch. Oh, yes. It the reminds name. me of the, the, <laughs> Visual in the book of Matthew perched up on top of the on the roof of the bridge of size watching Diana. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And I was like, that is so brilliant. Did JC come up with that on purpose or was it right. just serendipity? But it's funny. I saw it kind of a different way. A little bit different. Only because, okay, you guys know Ike, my cat. Yes. We had Ike before we ever had Rowler. Rowler is a 125-pound Akita. So we brought Rowler in the house. He was about 40 pounds at the time. He was about six or seven times the size of Ike. And Ike, to establish dominance, jumped up on the counter, smacked Rowler once on the head (laughs) to let him know. (laughs) And that's kind of how I saw Satu. Like, yes, I am perching myself up here, mess up once and I'll smack you over the head. You know, yeah. it, it was kind of a power move, I thought. You'd have to imagine her energy is so strong, too. Oh, God. Yeah. She's not yeah. somebody you want to hang out with, hang out too close to. No. Or be on the wrong side of, I yes. don't think. Oh, definitely not. No. I think a lot of people are on the wrong side of her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just Peter, we realize his motive is power. He yes. just wants pure power. And uh, Satu is different. Mm-hmm. She's on a quest. She's looking for something. She wants power, but not for the reasons Peter does. Yeah. Yeah. I think that she th- was going to team up with him. And then she realized you're horrible. Yeah. You're a shit stained human being. Yeah. You're garbage. Well, not human being. You're a shit stained witch. <laughs> 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 <sighs> All right. So I'm going to bring this up. More bundling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah. yeah. 
So I am taking it. This was the uh, replacement of the fireworks scene. Yeah. Well yes. done. Without the fireworks. Well, uh, I would argue the fireworks just took a different form. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and can we talk about how Diana is, uh, we talked about it a little last episode, but how she is well enough to go driving <laughs> when she was practically an invalid. <laughs> when she can't got it's to like Madison. It, She's like, hell? hi, back. No problem. I'll just get those yeah. taxi driver beads. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take care of my tender back. Yes. <laughs> and the other thing that I really missed out of this whole big sequence was Matthew doing yoga in the backyard and Sarah telling, saying he looked like a scarecrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get a sense that they've been there for a few weeks. By the time everybody shows up, by the time um, yeah. Sophie and Nathaniel and Hamish show which up. Which is the next it, episode. Which is the next. Oh, the last episode. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Um but yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, I don't know. <laughs> I know. Well, TV I mean, magic. Yeah. yeah we, had a comp- we had a compressed things, but it was like, but this, that whole, back to that whole scene. I mean, they could have just kind of done a conventional love scene. Montage. Yes. A visual some, some montage. Some dry humping and we're, yeah. we're on our way, but no, she made the bold choice to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of, which is so funny because Deb has always been so very fade to gray and very vague about exactly what's going on with them other than there's an emotional connection. And then you've got Sarah who makes the decision is like, yeah, he's going to go to town on her and she's going to have a damn good time. (laughs) I loved it. It was, and it was refreshing that it was. It was entirely focused on Diana's pleasure and he didn't expect any reciprocation, which a lot of times on TV, it always kind of shifts. It's like, oh, it's got to be tit for tat. Right. In the book, she did reciprocate, though, the first time. The first time, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but... It's set to her. You don't get time. to see it. Yeah. Maybe that's the magic of women writers and the and a lot of women being on the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, working on this production. Well, We're gonna get I ours. think Teresa is <laughs> pretty open and and she doesn't she owns it. I mean, yeah. She's like, yeah, kids hungry, flop out a boob, right? Which is just such a refreshing attitude. <laughs> All right. So Hamish and Agatha, yes. and uh, that's how that happened. I had no idea, but uh, I'm going to assume that's how that happened in the books too. I always assumed it was one of the millions of phone calls that Matthew made on the yeah. sly, directing people randomly. But I kind of see Hamish's motivation now. Mm-hmm. What what made him come there? Yeah, <laughs> go go to Madison. Which you know? brings me to one of the yeah. things I love about this TV Agatha. She's so much more direct and has a plan. In the book, I thought she was just so flighty and this and yes. that and maybe yes. and oh, you know, we oh, needed to. Yeah. She was a, she was very Cassandra ish, even in her prophecy. Because it's all like loosey goosey yes. and right. Oh, and is it is it reliable? Isn't it reliable? And it was just also flighty, right? This one is like Operation Mama Demon in effect. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's funny though in the books when Sophie was describing what she told Agatha and what Agatha directed her to do, Agatha seemed a lot more straightforward in Sophie's description. So I just thought but maybe the, Sophie's a little more loopy than Agatha. Yeah, that's and, what I was yeah. going to say it was all a matter of degree. I was going to say okay, well we're looking at Sophie and she's way more loopy than even Agatha is. So yeah. That might be like, that. Sophie has like 3 million different antennas and she's picking up on all kinds of shit. And and as I sit here right now, I've actually just developed a bit of sympathy for Nathaniel because he was dealing with a loopy mother and a loopy wife. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And audience, when we say loopy, we don't mean loopy like cuckoo. We mean loopy like they're picking up all, all kinds of information <laughs> all over the place. And the, the way they communicate it comes out loopy. Prophetic ADHD. Yeah. Well, imagine right. like uh, an when, antenna. There's a lot of information being channeled in. And, and what yeah. what do I tell and how do I tell it? At work, we have a UHF uh, handhold radio so you can pick up on different frequencies. And in between, you'll, yes. you can pick up two or yep. three frequencies. But in your frequency just adjusters a little bit yeah. worn out and doesn't want to stick on something. Or not worn out. Maybe it's stuck in between two or yeah. three frequencies. And that happens often. You can p- hear three different channels talking mm-hmm. out at once. Yes. And, <laughs> kind of and, like and, our thermostat that doesn't want to turn things off at the right time. There you go. <laughs> at the That's office. just my interpretation yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Deal close enough. Yeah. It's like, oh, we just got to filter out what, what's going on here. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And they don't have filters. Right. And then Juliet, her stride outside the church, that was huge for me. God, it yeah. was kind of like a perfume ad in the best sort of way, you know, uh, with that cape. And she was just, she was working that runway. It was. It was, it was like that uh, that perfume ad with uh, Natalie Portman where she dives off the, she's like, what have you ever done for love? And she like runs away from her groom on the altar. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. For Chanel. Yes. Yeah, or uh, the the one that does J'adore, where oh, she's walking out. Charlize she's, Theron. Charlize yes, Theron, yes, yes, yeah, yes. and she's all in gold and just walking straight into the yep. I was like, oh, she's free. And then I'm also like, wait, I'm cheering for her. Wait, <laughs> right. she's, free, she's free and she's walking to her doom. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I suppose uh, that's the only way she could be free of all of it. Sadly. Yeah, it's true. So this show has done a lot for a lot of people, I believe. And it, I think it allowed the empathy to creep in mm-hmm. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Well, Christ, look look at how Team Baldwin's expanding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's not even empathy. It's just they like the way he is. They won't that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no one innately bad or good except for the way Peter acts. He's terrible. But <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's your bear. It's your bear. Yes. Because to Diana in the books, they're all just bad. And I can understand that because they're all after her. No oh. bad demons. Yeah. No and, bad demons. It's no <laughs> bad demons. <laughs> I mean, when people are all after you, of course, they're all bad. Right. <laughs> And then when you have a, a, a vampire boyfriend just whispering in your ear saying they're all bad, they well, suck. that kind of reinforces your original belief, right? right? Yeah. My brother, he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and not in a good way. He's, he's just bad. Everything's bad. Mm. So, I don't know. Did you guys have anything that really stuck out to you as far as the books versus here? or Peter's visit. We got we knew that he visited. Um, we got a yeah. little bit of detail in the book. But then when he was reading Diana, it totally reminded me of Champier. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Whew. But it wasn't she didn't maybe because she was spellbound and she couldn't get any information, but it wasn't painful or she wasn't uncomfortable. Um, right. So who knows what Champier was doing? <laughs> Yep. He had that special kind of magic. Yeah. God. Well, he actually wanted to take her memories. I know. I will extract them from the root. <laughs> Pluck them out. I just thought of the evil dentist at that time. Yes. Oh, from God. the Marathon that Man. Was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> or the boys Is from it? Brazil. Yeah. Oh. Just, mm-mm. Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. I was going to say, there was a couple of things I'm, I'm kind of missing out on. Is the whole thing with the page and Miriam going, Conceptio. Oh, yes. yeah. That's true. It's like, oh, the, what's the next the, step? What's the next alchemical the step? Pregnancy stuff has been kind of expunged from this initial story arc. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get no, it next episode. No tea, yeah, no, no conceptio. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm kind of sad we didn't. Maybe they're saving it for a surprise. I know, but I'm kind of sad we're missing out on the, we missed out on Marcus and Sarah and Matthew blowing up the still room. Yeah. <laughs> trying to investigate the page. The Macbeth comparison. Which comparison? Yeah. <laughs> I really think they could have done the, uh, the time at the Bishop House where they had a flash of them blowing something up right quick and had a flash of them playing Scrabble. Yeah. Had a flash with Matthew in the uh, yard so you playing got, yoga. You would have gone. Yoga. more of a sense of time yeah well, we can't get ahead of ourselves because there's still episode eight left there's still episode eight yes yes <gasps> yay <laughs> yay and i'm so glad they added that church scene for so many reasons because it also cemented cements in everybody's mind that gerber's connection to the church yeah yeah yep. the way he walked in because i mean a lot of people who are coming in fresh as viewers wouldn't wouldn't necessarily know that unless they read our posts yeah. and but also it like shattered another one of those vampire myths that they can't set foot in a church. Think about that. They're scheming in the middle of a mass. That is so brilliant. Right. Because, you know, human myth is uh, vampires are kind of averse to the cross. It's no bueno. (laughs) Which is exactly why Gerber was Pope. He's like, I'll just crush this myth right now. Or no one will suspect me of being a vampire. (laughs) Shit, I'm Pope. I wear a cross. Mythbuster. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What a cover. Not only only am I a Pope, I'm a Pope trotting around with a disembodied head. That talks. Yes, <laughs> That's right. How could I be There's a that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Anything else before we shut this Nada. one down and prepare Yay. for our another, last another Baldwin, episode. Baldwin uh, Rich episode? Thank you. Thank you, Power Zippy. Yes, absolutely. All right, everybody. Let's say goodbye. Goodbye. Farewell. Goodbye. Demon kiss. Mwah. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Demons Discuss and Demons Domain are independent and not affiliated with Bad Wolf, Sky One, Sundance Now, and Shudder. Clips of the TV show and soundtrack are used for the purpose of commentary only. The soundtrack is an original score by Rob Lane and the Chamber Orchestra of London. The soundtrack is available for purchase on iTunes. 